it's Wednesday, January the 20th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, America's presidency changes hands and Italy's government hangs on. First, the world in brief. As America's coronavirus death toll passed 400,000, Washington DC braced itself for a presidential inauguration unlike any before. The National Guard is minding the capital against threats from the electorate itself, and crowds even well-wishing socially distanced ones will be discouraged. President-elect Joe Biden is to become president at noon. The Senate will have heard confirmation hearings for only four of his principal cabinet picks. Challenges to the election results slowed the process. Donald Trump granted clemency to Steve Bannon, his former chief strategist, shielding him from prosecution on charges of fraud. The soon-to-be former president seems to be jockeying for position among his erstwhile allies. Meanwhile, Mitch McConnell, the Senate's outgoing majority leader, accused him of provoking the mob that overran the Capitol on January 6th, without saying whether he thinks Mr Trump should be convicted in his impeachment trial. On its final full day, the Trump administration declared that the Chinese government's treatment of Uyghurs and other religious and ethnic minorities in Xinjiang amounted to genocide and crimes against humanity. No other government has denounced China's actions, which include the use of internment camps, forced labour and involuntary sterilisations in such stark terms, though Mr Biden had made a similar declaration. Italy's political crisis subsided, for now, after Giuseppe Conte, the Prime Minister, survived a vote of confidence in the Senate, having won another in the lower house. The votes followed the withdrawal of Matteo Renzi's Italia Viva party from the ruling coalition, over disagreements about how to spend coronavirus recovery funds. Mr Conte is left to preside over a brittle minority government. A woman in Thailand was sentenced to 43 years and 6 months in prison for 29 violations of a law against insulting the monarchy. Originally arrested in 2015 for reposting audio clips critical of the king to social media, she was detained until November 2018, before being released on bail and tried. Her initial 87-year sentence was halved because she pleaded guilty. Goldman Sachs reported record revenues in the last three months of 2020, a net income of $4.5 billion, up by 135% year-on-year. The bank's trading and investment banking divisions thrived despite the pandemic. Although Bank of America reported net income down by 22%, its equities and investment banking revenues rose by double digits. It reduced its reserves for bad loans by $828 million amid signs of economic recovery. And Netflix said that it added 8.5 million new subscribers in the fourth quarter of 2020, pushing its total past 200 million. Revenues rose by 24% year-on-year, hitting $25 billion. Video streaming has provided sucker for a lockdown world. With profits growing, Netflix said it would stop issuing debt to fund new content and consider buybacks. Its share price jumped 13% in extended trading. And now here's today's agenda. All quiet on the Western Front. Biden's inauguration. Ordinarily, American presidents take the oath of office before a crowd that stretches from the steps of the bunting-draped west front of the Capitol building to the Washington Monument, around a mile and a half to the west. These are no ordinary times. In Washington DC, streets are empty and militarised, with over 20,000 National Guard troops deployed. COVID-19 and security threats will keep attendance at the inauguration of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris today at around 1,000 people, mostly members of Congress and their guests. No tickets have been made available to the public. 
nor will the capital's great and good don black tie to attend inaugural balls. The evening's festivities will be virtual. Breaking with tradition, Donald Trump will not attend, having previously inspired an insurrection aimed at preventing Mr Biden from taking office. The president-elect called Mr Trump's no-show one of the few things that he and I have ever agreed on. Feeling deflated. Britain's economy. Today, Britain's Office for National Statistics will provide an update on the pace of inflation. While analysts expect consumer price inflation, including housing costs, to pick up from November's low of 0.6%, it will remain well below the Bank of England's target of 2%. Expect a bit more upward pressure in 2021 than in 2020. The trade friction associated with the end of the Brexit transition period should slowly push up the price of imported goods. With luck, the economy will enjoy a consumer spending-led bounce in the second half of the year as social distancing regulations are loosened. But with the labour market still weak and unemployment elevated, wage growth will probably remain muted in 2021, bearing down on inflation. Yet the Bank of England is unlikely to rush to tighten policy. Members of its Monetary Policy Committee are more likely to have to fret about below-target inflation than sharply rising prices. From lockdown to lawlessness Tunisia In Tunisia, as in other places, months of confinement have given way to a burst of anger. Riots have roiled cities across the country since Friday. Hundreds have been arrested, and the army deployed to stop looting. The crowds have no single demand. These are riots of despair. One in three young people is unemployed. Growth has been sluggish since the revolution in 2011, and last year the economy shrank by an estimated 8% as COVID-19 forced long lockdowns and crushed the tourism industry. With debt levels nearly 90% of GDP, the cash-strapped government may have to seek an IMF loan, which could force painful austerity measures. Similar riots have flared up in previous years, yet politicians seem to have no remedy for the protesters' grievances. For many young people, the only answer is to leave. Last year, Tunisians were the largest group of migrants crossing the Mediterranean to Europe. Peace off. France's decision on ski resorts. At this time of year, skiers are usually flocking to Europe's slopes. But COVID-19 has halted their plans and turned resorts into a source of division between countries. Germany and Italy closed theirs and called on the EU to shut others, fearing that they could turn into virus hotspots. Yet such a move is beyond the EU's power. Austria kept its resorts open only for locals, while in Switzerland, not in the EU, they have remained open to all. Today, the French government, which had also shut its resorts, convenes to review its decision. There is little hope its resorts will open in time for the two-week school break in February that has traditionally been a boon for the skiing industry. Infection rates are still high. The country recorded a six-week peak on Monday. A decision to keep resorts closed may save lives, but disappointed French skiers will look with envy at their Swiss neighbours across the Alps. Swift change Malaysia's Central Bank When Bank Negara Malaysia's Monetary Policy Committee last met in early November, it appeared that the central bank would be keeping a tight hold on interest rates for a while. It had cut its overnight policy rate quickly from 3% to 1.75% in the first half of 2020. The government was supporting the economy, and COVID-19 had been relatively well contained. Since November, the situation has deteriorated. Cases of the virus have risen from 35,000 to more than 150,000. 
the federal government has forced non-essential businesses to close in six states and unveiled a fifth fiscal stimulus package. The expected economic recovery, which would shore up prices and help to narrow the budget deficit, is in peril. BNM is one of the few Asian central banks with room to cut interest rates further. Another 0.25 percentage point reduction would provide Malaysian businesses with a dose of good news. Finally, here's the quote of the day from John Ruskin, who died on this day in 1900. Endurance is nobler than strength, and patience than beauty. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app, or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.